Well, good morning. Glad to see everybody here this morning. For those of you who may be our guests or new here, my name is Trevor. I'm pastor here at Round Oak, and I personally want to say I'm glad to see each and every one of you here this morning to worship with us. So um, as we get started, I just want to say this, that um, if you are new here or maybe you just haven't overly been paying attention, there's a lot of stuff that's going to start happening or is starting to happen or will be happening here this fall. And I just want to give you a quick update. Uh, come out to our Wednesday night stuff. Uh, this Wednesday, right, we're going to start Youth Wednesdays as well. So that way, if you want to be there, and you're like, what am I supposed to do with my kids? Drop them off. You can come to my study, too. You get a break for an hour and a half. So that, that's good, right? We're going to be having a Fall Fest stuff coming up. There's a meeting. We're going to talk about stuff we're going to do for that. We're going to have things going on because there's two things. If anything, there's two things. First and foremost, we're going to be a praying church. And second off, we're going to be an active church. So we're going to do things. And if you want to get involved with something, there's a good chance that there's already something that you can get involved with right now. And if there's not something right now, I'm willing to bet that there's going to be something coming up in the near future that you can get involved with. So get involved. What we're supposed to be doing. We're not called, none one of us is called to be a Lone Ranger Christian. Get involved. We can be together with each other and do amazing things for God, and we get to actually see God do things. And if anybody's ever watched when God is working and doing amazing things, it's it's awesome. And we get to be a part of that. Are you kidding me? So step up. Let's get out and do amazing things for God. So I'll stop rambling so we can get into this. We're going to continue our journey through the book of John. So if you have your Bibles, and I hope that you do, turn with me to, again, the book of John, chapter 5. And as you're turning there, I want to say a couple things. Every once in a while, I like to do this. I like to really dive deep and look at the grand concept of what a verse is really talking about. Because some of the verses that we look at are truly deep. And they really expound on a lot of what God's creative order means, on what his rules, his his laws mean, and how we can further worship him. A whole bunch of stuff, and we can bundle it all into one. It's really neat. So, just to be fair, what we're going to do this morning, we're going to take a deep dive into one verse. It's going to be John chapter 5, verse 24, and that's the only verse we're going to look at today. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, cool, short sermon. <laughs> not, not so I, I don't want to disappoint you, but it, it's not the shortest because it, it really, we have so much stuff packed into one little verse. And I'll say this now, I like to look at it like this because when we really exegete what God's word says, we start to see who he is more and more. And if we don't see who he really and truly is, not only have we missed a point here and now, there's a really good chance that we're going to miss the point for all of eternity. And we don't always have to dive this deep, but sometimes it's, it's really good to. So again, we know who Jesus really and truly is. But again, we're going to continue this journey. Last week, we started to look at this discourse from Jesus and this, this discourse, this speech kind of thing, whatever, however you want to say it, that he's giving will last through the end of chapter 5. And as Jesus is speaking here, I, I want you to realize how important of a section this really is. Because as we looked at last week, Jesus is comparing himself to the Father. 
and he's also comparing the father to himself. And, and th that's huge. I mean, the implications of that are, are basically as big as they get. Nothing's bigger than that. Because what Jesus is saying, as we talked about again last week, that Jesus is saying, me and the Father are one. Me and God are one. Saying, Jesus is saying, I am God, I am the creator of the universe, and you better see that. And that's a big deal. We talked about that because remember how the Jews wanted to kill him after that. They hated him. Not just, ah, this guy's a jerk, I don't like him. It's, no, I'm going to take you out, I hate you. It was a big deal because of what he was saying. That also that you cannot honor the Father if you're not honoring the Son. I mean, we looked at a lot of stuff, and again, the, that, that's a ginormous claim. It's huge. It's not as big for us here today because we, most of us have heard about it, at least to some extent, our whole lives. Fairly normal. And even if you believe it or not, it doesn't matter, but you know Jesus is some kind of claim to being God, right? At this point in time, this was huge. It couldn't get any bigger. It's about as big as the claim that you, when you first found out that Jesus was God, and then you believed that Jesus was God, that he came into your life and saved you. The, the size of and the magnitude of what Jesus is saying here is parallel to the day he saved you. That's how big of a deal all this is going on. So again, that's why we're going to look, and we're actually going to take our time and go through this. Because what we have to see, again, the power, the authority has been put in Jesus' hands. And if you don't believe that, I hope that after today you will. And then you can come up front and you can, we can all say hallelujah and clap and pray for you and all these things, but we have to get to the point to where we see that that is what is going on. And I want to say that just so that we're clear and that we're on the same page, that this claim to deity, that Jesus is God, will have huge and lasting implications because this is 2,000 years ago when this is happening, and the weight of what he is saying has not lost any gravity. It's just as big today, and it will be in the future, as it was 2,000 years ago when he said it. So, we're going to see that Jesus is, again, the only way. And we'll have more evidence that Jesus is who he says he is. But again, let's get right into this. We're in verse 24 of chapter 5. Follow along as I read this verse aloud. Truly I tell you, anyone who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not come under judgment but has passed from death to life. And that's it. This is such a great verse. I mean, it, it goes so deep on the level. Awesome. Down deep and underneath all the stuff when we get there and we pick it all up. Just as awesome, if not better. There's good stuff. There's bad stuff. There's opposites. There, there's, 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 there's negatives. There's positives. It doesn't matter. There's so much going on with this. And it really takes th that. There should be that want to really take the time with it. Because again, we can see things, but can we really see through what's going on? And I hope, again, that's what we're going to do today. Again, this verse holds a lot of weight. No matter how you look at this, we start to see that Jesus is more than what he merely appears to be on the surface. Because at that time, Jesus would have looked just like anybody else. In fact, if you read through Isaiah, you, you, you wouldn't even have noticed him. Because it said there was nothing about him that was fancy or attractive. 
He was just another guy. He was like, hey, yeah, this guy, whatever. But there's much, much more than what's on the surface. And I want to say this. And this is the reason also why I really wanted to dive deeper into this. Because this is one of those verses people like to cherry pick. Because it is such a good verse. I mean, it means so much. On the level, just simply reading it, it makes you think about who Jesus really is. And the fact that there is eternal life available for all of us. But we want to cherry pick this and we like to apply it to certain things, right? We can apply this. Let's, let me read it real fast. And I'll, and I'll show you what I'm talking about. He says, truly I tell you, anyone who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. All right, that's, that's, that's awesome. We can apply that to anything, right? And I just picked one as I was writing this up. I was like, okay, well, let's apply it to anything. But the, what's the first verse that comes to most people's mind, right? John 3.16. So I started thinking about that. John 16, you know, for God so loved the world. Okay, everybody knows that. We don't need to go through the whole thing. But um, you can think about that with this verse, right? And to be fair, it fits. If we think about Jesus saying, anybody who believes my words, you know that he said John 3.16. It works. It fits. It does. But to be fair and honest, I want you to get a bigger picture than this. We're applying it to not merely just this verse, not just John 3.16 or, or Isaiah 64 or whatever verse you want to pop into your mind. I want you to get the big picture. Because I want to, I've said this before, and I want you to think about it. I really want you to keep it in your mind because it's really important. And the more we understand it, the more we can see who God truly is. Okay? So the red letters, right? If you have a red letter Bible, that's Jesus speaking. The black letters, the Holy Spirit revealing himself through the authors. And if Jesus is the Word made flesh, and as followers of Jesus Christ, we believe that the Bible is the Word of God, right? So Jesus' Word would fit for all of it. Every bit of it. Now we're starting to expand on this just a little bit more. We're not taking it just as one little part, but we're taking it as a whole. We have to see that. Because it starts to kind of blow up here and gets really, really big. So yes, it all fits. We must see and believe His Word. Right? All of it. Which part of it do we get to not believe? Anybody? All of it. We have to believe all of it. Either we believe the whole thing's the Word of God or we don't believe any of it's the Word of God. No matter what any of us think, there is no in-between with that one. There's just not. But again, for, for now, real quick, Let's keep it a little more localized because one thing we should always strive to do is to keep what the Bible says in context because it's super easy to get things out of context and to, instead of exegete the Scripture, to eisegete it, to get what we want and put it into it so that it says what we want so that we can do whatever we want. Right? Easy to do that. So let's keep it in context of what's going on. And again, the easiest way to do that is to look at the verses before and the verses after. And you should get a pretty clear idea of what's really going on. We'll know what's happening. Instead of a, just a good verse, looking at verse 24, instead of just a good verse to put like on your calendar, or like on a verse of the day kind of thing, we can start to see that it's actually a really powerful statement. It's extremely huge with ginormous implications. Because again, there's no gap here. For those of you who have a Bible in your hand, an actual hard copy, 
See, mine right here, there's a break from verse 23 to 24, right? But what we have to realize is that when Jesus was speaking, there, there was no break, okay? He didn't say, you know, he, did, he wasn't saying verse 23 here, uh, that anyone who does not honor the Son, honor the Father who sent him. All right, okay, next verse, guys, whoever's recording this, make a break. He, did, he just kept talking, right? Because, honestly, nobody talked like that. There was not a break there. He just kept talking. So what we have to see, there was no gap there. Jesus is talking. This is one fluid discourse. So we have to remember that. Jesus is talking about honoring the Father and that he and the Father are in lockstep every step of the way. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are in lockstep with what they're doing. They don't argue. They don't have a counsel and be like, okay, you think this, but we think this, so we've got to figure this out. That doesn't happen. They are one God revealed in three persons. They are in complete coherence with each other, and they are lockstep in everything that they do. And that if we want to honor the Father, we have to honor the Son. And then again, we are at that point without a break, nothing again. Jesus says this again in verse 24, Truly I tell you, anyone who hears my voice and believes him who sent me has eternal life. And the good part, again, even better than the eternal life part, is that you will not come under judgment. Good stuff. So I want to ask you this. Do you truly believe that Jesus is God? Good. Because that is expressly who he says he is. And if you don't believe what he says, either you're calling yourself a liar or you're calling Jesus a liar. Right? Because we have to look at this in a different direction. I'm not going to go too far off. But I want you to think about this for a second. How many people have you talked to, realistically, you don't have to raise your hand or nothing, but have you talked to who do not believe in Jesus, you know, who are not saved, maybe claim to be a Christian, but definitely not saved, who said, well, Jesus was a good teacher. Anybody ever heard that before? You ever question why they would think that? Because if they don't believe Jesus is God, and Jesus claimed to be God, they were saying that Jesus is a liar, but he's also a good teacher. So you think good teachers are liars? Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Do we believe that Jesus is who he says he is? Because he expressly tells us who he is. Either we believe him or we don't. There's no one in the middle. They're, 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 it's impossible to be on the fence with this. That's also why the G, uh, excuse me, that's also why the Jewish leader wanted to kill him. Because he was saying, not only am I God, I created all things. And I am the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And they were like, "No, nah, I don't, I don't, I don't think so." This ruins my way of thinking. I don't like that. They wanted to kill him all the more. And it gets a little weighty here. And to be fair, this is part where we really start to separate, because there are those who claim to be Christians, but don't really believe who Jesus says he is. Let me explain. Try to keep up. And I'll try to say this in a way that makes sense outside of the spaghetti bowl of a brain that I have. So, if Jesus is lockstep with the Father, right? And the authority and the power is Jesus's as well. Then there are some things that we have to see. For example, the wrath. 
the forgiveness. The judgment. The grace. What we call sin. And the things we try to say aren't sin. Right? All these things. All of that is still Jesus. Do we see that? You don't have to, but sometimes just open your Bible to any random spot, especially in the Old Testament, and try to see something that God is moving. And I'll tell you expressly, that's Jesus. You see that. Jesus didn't just appear 2,000 years ago and decide, yeah, like, well, I'm going to be God now. He's always been. If you look all the way back into the Genesis chapter 1 when he created the heavens and the earth, and then you fast forward to, oh yeah, this book that we already went over here in John chapter 1, that it was him in the beginning who created all these things. Jesus is the physical manifestation of the God of the universe, the Son, and the exact representation of the Father. So if we see that something that God is doing, or you know, what we talk about as God, that's also Jesus doing the exact same thing. Because remember, he is in lockstep with the Father. Now the implications get super big. Because there's too many people out there that say, well, Jesus is just so loving. Yeah, you know what? If even if, Okay, you don't like the Old Testament. First off, you're wrong. But still, okay, I'll give you that one. Turn to the book of Revelations. When he judges and destroys and, you know, the whole blood up to the bridle of a horse thing, that's Jesus. We have to remember that. So, yes, he is a loving God. He cannot be just loving. Because love without justice means nothing. The same with justice without love means nothing. We have to see that Jesus is who he says he is, and he expressly tells us this. Do we see that? All that is still Jesus. Because I want to make sure that we know this. Because there was no New Testament at this time. When we think about this verse, when it says, Truly I tell you, anyone who hears my word and believes him who sent me will have eternal life. What words is he talking about? What revelation is he talking about? Because the New Testament wasn't written until about somewhere between 45 AD and 70 AD when it was completed. <clears throat> it wasn't here yet. So what, what is he referring to? It's not only what he is saying to them at the time, these words, you know, John 3.16, right? We know all that. But the whole of revealed scripture, a.k.a. all of this, expressly, um, let's see, let me find it right there. From the beginning of Matthew back, we call that the Old Testament. That's what he's talking about. His words, his revealed revelation to us. We have to see that. The whole of Scripture revealed. And from here, again, this verse just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And it expands more and more and more because the implications of who Jesus is and the words He's talking about starts to have far-reaching consequences. Both good and bad. Good for those who know Him, bad for those who don't. But both good and bad consequences. So, we start to see that. And now, I do say all that to say this. Far too often, we think smallly. 
we think very small. Even the smartest people in the world think too small. We try to scale down to make smaller what doesn't need to be made smaller. We try to make it into something that we can understand. We like to take Jesus, who is utterly ginormous, who we couldn't, we can't grasp. We try to shrink him down into something that we can kind of get our hands around, get our heads around, maybe even something we can put in our pocket. We like to shrink Jesus down. We like to turn him into something or someone that likes what we like, right? That doesn't oppose what we oppose. We change who Jesus is so that we can get our heads around him and that, so he agrees with us. And I'm going to tell you that if you think that way, you're wrong. No bones about it. You don't change Jesus. He changes you. And if you think the same way or if you think that this is wrong, then um, we, we should talk. We need to understand certain things. If you disagree with what the Bible says, either you're wrong or God is wrong. And I'll give you two guesses. You're only going to need one. Who's actually wrong? I'm not saying that it's easy to make those decisions. We have a way of thinking. You have a personality. You have a brain. Is it? Yes. But who's wrong? By simply saying that. We try to make Jesus into something he's not. We're creating a fake Jesus. One that serves my intentions. Far too often. One does not call sin for what it is. And that's sin. That's why we have, again, roughly 28,000 Christian denominations across the world. Because we disagreed on little stupid things. And like, well, I'm not going to slip because you shouldn't wear a suit jacket. Well, I think you should wear a suit jacket. Well, I'm not going to. Well, I'm starting my own church. That's how fast it happens. You laugh like that actually never happened. If you go home today and look it up, that has happened. It's actually funny, but it happened. But that's what we do. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. We separate on all sorts of stuff. Some of it, yeah, we should. We should definitely separate over it. Because Jesus revealed who he says he is. And if you think that that's not the case, by all means, go start your own fake church. But all you're doing is leading people to hell. That's all they're doing. I'm not going to say any names. I'm not going to name any denominations. I'm not going to say anything. But I can count at least four or five on my hands right now that I looked up just this morning within a 10-mile area of here who teaches false doctrine, who practices false teaching, and are leading people astray to hell. Within 10 miles of here. Lots of them. Because it's what they want, not what Jesus says. It's that fast. It's that fast. We don't get to pick and choose what we like. The Word of God is not a buffet. But to believe in Christ, to trust in His Word, is the only way to eternal life, no matter what we think. You can have the best intentions in the world, and they're still filthy rags, according to the psalmist. Filthy rags. 
We talked about this at our Bible study. Shameless plug for our Wednesday night Bible study. Be there 6.30 every Wednesday. But when we treat it like a buffet, when we just pick out what we like and then disregard what we don't like, we, we put shame upon it. I like to ask people this question. Well, because like people like to say something along the lines, well, that was 2,000 years ago. That doesn't apply to today. Right? You ever heard that one? It was a different culture. Society was different then. Sure. But I like to ask this question. If that's no, if something, I don't know, pick your thing. There's lots of different stuff. If that's no longer valid, what else is no longer valid? So who, who gets to decide what works now and what doesn't? Who gets to decide what part of God's Word is no longer valid because it was a long time ago? Are you following me? What else in the Bible has changed? Just because it was a different country? Does that matter? Because that was in this area that we, you know, we call Israel today, Palestine before, just Middle East in general. Does it make it different as it was there and not here? Does God's words change because the geographical location is different? I don't think so. What else has changed? It's been 2,000 years. That's a long time. Christ's blood loses power. Did he stop saving people at a certain point? So anyone who hears my word and believes him who sent me will have eternal life. See, maybe the problem is people are trying to just buffet the Bible, not listen to what God is saying because they don't like certain parts. So they just leave them out. But Jesus said, it's, who hears my words? Who hears the words that I say? Who reveals or who believes in the revealed revelation, the Word of God? I mean, I don't know. Who's right and who's wrong? But people like to leave them out or try to write them off because they're old or they're obsolete or they just don't like it. So they try to explain away what God says because, well, I don't like that. So God, you're wrong. You must listen to me. That sounds kind of crazy when you say it out loud. Because people don't. They won't. They won't say it out loud. They like to take a little bit of the truth and be like, well, this says this, but this other part says this, but if I kind of blend them, I'll have the skin of a truth stuffed with a great big lie, and I can get everybody to believe me. That way I don't feel bad when I go to hell. I won't be going to hell by myself. That's real. That's real. People do that. But no matter what you think, no matter what I think, no matter how you look at this, the implications are huge. As in like life and death, huge. Because if we have to see who Christ is, because if we believe who He is, we believe in His Word, we trust in the Father, and as well Jesus, the Son, then we will have eternal life. Not come under judgment, which all of us deserve. But we don't have to see that. We get a pass from death to life. Isn't that awesome? I'm going to try this again. We get a pass from death to life. 
There we go. Get a little bit of noise. Thank you. Thank you from the balcony. That's huge and that's awesome. All of us are on a path to death. Without Jesus, we stay there. But with Jesus, we have life, real life. And I want to ask you, do you believe that? Do you really believe that's true? Because if that is true, and obviously it is, I wouldn't be here if I didn't believe it anyway, so we can assume that. I don't think most of you at least assume that it could be true, otherwise you wouldn't be here either. But if that's true, then we have to see that there's a warning here as well. Because if that's true, and it is, then the opposite is true as well, right? If we don't, if we don't believe in Christ, if we don't believe in the words that He says, if we don't honor the Father and the Son, and the Son and the Father and the Holy Spirit all as one, then we will not have eternal life. And we will come under judgment. And we will not pass from death to life. We will stay in death forever and ever and be separated for all eternity. Which one sounds better? I mean, just on the level. Kind of a, right? A little bit. Kind of a stupid question. Why would you want to choose death? It's actually a pretty easy answer. Maybe you're thinking of it, maybe you're not. Maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm not, I don't know. But people choose death all the time because they're not willing to bow bended knee to Jesus Christ because then they have to give up what they think they want. I want a lot of things. But I would rather follow Jesus any day. And I hope you're the same way. I've had a lot of ways I was thinking, a lot of theology over the years. I look back at stuff that I thought 10, 15 years ago, and I look at myself like, what an idiot. And I'm assuming in 5, 10 years from now, I'm going to look back like, you were still an idiot. But we're going to keep going, right? That's what we should do. But we have to look at that and see who Jesus is. Because we don't want that separation. We should want eternal life. And if we want eternal life, we have to see who Jesus is and bow bended knee to him because he is the only one who can save us. From just one little verse, we can get so much. We can talk about this one all day. We, like, for example, here, we get a, a little bit of the gospel. We get a really quick way to say, in general, what the gospel is. We get to see that Jesus says that I am the only way. The only possible way. He says again, truly I tell excuse me, <clears throat> truly I tell you, anyone who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He didn't say you might have it. He's like, you're gonna have it if you trust who I am and if you believe who I am. Believe all of me, not the good parts, not just the forgiving part, but you have to believe that Jesus is also the God of the universe who created the universe, who also brings wrath if you don't trust in him. Because you are sinful people. I'm a sinful person. I deserve every ounce of wrath that God has for me. But Jesus says, no, I will take it. Amen to that. We have to see that. 
far too often we look at things the way we want to. I like that person. They must be a Christian. They do some good things from time to time. They must be a Christian. They use Christianese words. They must be a Christian. If we're to believe the Scriptures, believe what the Bible says, then we have to come to grips with the fact that they're wrong. That we can be wrong. Wrong when we think that. If you claim to be a follower of Christ and at the same time say that the Bible's wrong, then you are not a believer in Christ. How can you say, honest question, if you have an answer, feel free to let it out. How can you say you love Jesus when you say that he is wrong? No good answers? I had a can't over here and I got no shaking up. That's about as good as it gets for me. You can't claim to love the author of life if you don't believe that he's the author of life. A lot of people claim to love a Jesus. They have no idea. A lot of people claim to love a Jesus they've made up in their head. A lot of people love, claim to love a Jesus that just simply agrees with everything they said so they can live any way they want. You didn't make you. You don't get to live any way you want. No matter which way you put it, no matter what kind of math you do, no matter what kind of gymnastics you jog around with the Scriptures, you're still wrong. And I'm okay with being wrong too. Because you can't be right unless you're wrong first. You have to see that. There's a time where I looked up certain things and I'm maybe a new Christian. I'm like, man, I do not like that. Man. All right, I'm not mine. Right? If I was bought with a price, who's? I'm not mine no more. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm saying it's right. If God owns you and you claim to love Jesus, then you're going to hear His words and believe His words, especially if you think you have eternal life. If you pass from death to life, you're going to believe what He says. And I'm not saying you're going to be perfect, not saying you're going to do it all the time, but you're going to have that little voice right about here. Anybody know what I'm talking about? This says, stop it. Right? That's called conviction. If you don't have conviction, ugh, bad news for you as well. Because the Holy Spirit, that's what He does. He aligns you. And as you take off this way, which we all do, He's going to hit you back in the, in, in, onto line. If you take off this way, He's going to hit you back off in the line. And if you just try to sprint backwards, I call it the Holy Spirit frying pan of the faith, He's going to nail you as hard as He can to bring you back into line. Because you're not yours, you're His. We have to see that. We don't get what we want. We don't. Nowhere in here says that we get what we want, but everything says that we're His. And that He's going to change you. And He's going to correct you. And yes, discipline you when need be, because He disciplines those He loves. Another thing, if you're not being disciplined, you might want to watch out for that one as well. Something to think about. If He disciplines those He loves, and you're not being disciplined... Just saying that. We don't like it, but it's real. We don't want it, but it's what's best for us. 
this whole section is about Jesus and the Father. That we can't have one without the other. Again, many claim to love Jesus, yet they say that He's wrong. That His Word revealed doesn't matter. We can just change whatever we want. But I want to say this. Again, this is more of a Trevor's opinion, kind of a Trevorism, whatever you want to say. <clears throat> but why? Why do people think like this? Why do we do that with Scripture, with Jesus' Word? In my opinion, there are two reasons. I mean, they filter out. We get a whole bunch from these two reasons, but these, there's two reasons. The first one is that people are sinful, plain and simple. They're selfish. They love their sin, and they serve their sin. So if I was doing that, of course I would change this so that I could get other people to sin with me so I don't feel bad about doing it by myself. And the second one is, uh, this one's harder. It should be hard for every one of us to hear. But the second reason people think this is, is because we haven't done our job and they've never heard the truth. Ouch. Anybody? That one kind of hurts. The world has been inundated with terrible theology. Awful theology. And again, we have let it slide. We let it slide. We have changed the meaning of sin so that we don't offend people. Yeah. And by continuing this, by spreading this, we are quite simply denying the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Essentially what I'm saying is, if something's a sin, and we don't call it a sin, because Jimmy, I'm going to scare you off if I call your sin a sin, I'm saying, Jesus, you're not powerful enough to save that man. Making Jimmy stronger than Jesus. I mean, say it out loud. It sounds dumb. I mean, it just does. But that's what we do. We've let this happen. We are denying the very power of Jesus. But I want to say this, because there's always hope, right? There is hope. No matter what. There's always hope. Jesus died to save sinners. To save them. Not to partially save you. Not to do his part. Not to help save you. Jesus didn't help you do anything. He did it. And on the cross, he said it was finished. He didn't get up on the cross and say, Johnny, finish it for me. Tyler, do you have to do anything? you have to finish it? Russ, you're good? All right. See, we don't have to. That's the hope. And the more we get it in our head thinking that I have to do something, the less we're going to believe what he says here. The more I think that I have to, that Trevor has to complete these tasks, do the mission, make sure I've earned my spot in heaven, the less every single day, the less I will believe that that is true. And I will not believe his words because I'm going to believe Trevor's words instead. Slippery slope straight to hell, right? That's how it works. But our hope is that Jesus saved us completely 
on the cross, he hung there and his blood was shed and his body was broken so that you and I can have real and true life. Without that, it's not possible. Not possible. It's not of our own, but it's of him. It's Jesus and Jesus alone. And we are who are saved. We're to go do things, to go tell them, to go tell the world. Not half truth. Not a watered down gospel. Not this garbage of thinking, well, I don't like that page, rip. I don't like that page, rip. It's this. We preach Jesus. How did Paul put it? I preach Christ and Him crucified. Nothing to do with Paul. Nothing to do with Trevor. It doesn't even have anything to do with Round Oak. But as a group, we preach Jesus. And if we're not preaching Jesus, why are we doing If I'm not preaching Jesus, please fire me from this position. I beg you, get rid of me. If I'm not preaching and teaching what this says, please get rid of me. I don't deserve this at all. We have to see that Jesus is the truth, the whole truth. And if we really want change, if we want to see the world change, it's going to start right here. It has to start with us. It's going to start tomorrow, right? Today. Today sounds a lot better. Right now sounds good too. If it's going to change, it has to start with us. And it's going to start today. And it's going to start with getting our personal opinions out of the way. They're gone. I don't care what you think about other people. I don't care if you agree with me. I don't care if you agree with the Bible. All of it's gone because it's about Jesus. And if we start there, then it's all going to line up. If we actually trust who Jesus says he is, then what you used to disagree with in here, you'll start to say, oh, that's my Lord's words, and I'm going to agree with him, no matter what I think. And we're going to do that. We're going to step out of our blind human minds and trust the Holy Spirit, even when it's dark and it's scary. Because when we walk out those doors, it can get dark and scary. It really can. But when we trust the Spirit, when He shows us and reveals that the old has been made new, that He can take what was dead, all of us, and make us alive, what's to not trust? Have you experienced that? Who knows without a shadow of a doubt that's true? So if you can trust him for those big things, you can trust him to walk out those doors and go down to Walmart to go to the gas station to go out to eat and preach Christ because you've seen the reality of the power of Jesus Christ. Can anybody deny that? Good, because I'm done. That's the truth. And that's what we're going to go do. Because we're called to, we're told to. When Jesus commanded us to do something, to go and to tell was a commandment. Let's listen to that commandment. Let's follow that commandment. Father, again, we thank you for everything that you do. That you would do amazing things through your son, Jesus Christ, here on earth. That he would die for us, wretched, sinful people. He would die for us. Thank you again for all that you do, for who you are, Lord. 
Help us to see that every word of yours is true. Every word of you, yours revealed to us we can live by and we can trust in no matter what. Thank you again for all that you do, for who you are, Lord. Thank you just doesn't quite seem to cut it. But thank you. Lord, we love you and praise you and pray in Jesus' name. Amen.